live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. The best opening bumper music in the market. Greg Pancake Hill with Diesel. 808 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Greg Hill produces the program. I'm Vince Petrano. Steve Scafidi in with me until 9 o'clock, and then Steve takes over from 9 until noon today. Eric Bilstead, Debbie Lazica on vacation. Everybody's on vacation except us, pal. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I stuck around. <laughs> I, I never go anywhere on Good. spring break. Why? You just don't want to be mobbed with everybody else, yes, right? Yes, I hate crowded airports. I, I lived in airports for 20-some years. I don't want to be in airports when it's crowded. Well, that changes, too, when, when your kids get out of school, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when they're in school, then you are a slave to the school calendar, right? right. So you Do you have to go on everything. spring break with the kids, or would they be just be happy hanging out with their friends at home? I think parents kind of, it's, it's the parents thing. Well, I'll let you know, because we're not going anywhere there you go. this year. I'll, I'll report back Real to Real life you reporting from Vince Vitrano. As to the level of happiness in my household <laughs> this week. I'm glad you're here, because I wanted to run this by you. I think you and I have a, a similar thought on it. But there are a lot of folks, particularly who listen to your show, I know you interact with them all the time, who might well cheer for the demise of our local paper, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And I've long argued that maybe you agree with some of the things that are in there, maybe you disagree, maybe you have issues with it, whatever. But whatever your take, you ought not cheer for the demise of the local paper, because that ultimately is bad for everybody. I ask this question all the time. So if that's your goal, and, and there's, there is this, this element of cheerleading, right? right? You know, I, I see a lot of people tweeting about it now, right? Oh my God, the Journal Sentinel, they're so biased, as if any other organization isn't, isn't just as biased, or there's internal bias, external bias, all of that. But again, I always ask this question. So are you going to, after that goes away, or in, in whatever format, it, it, it still exists, but it's not the entity that it is now, where are you getting your news from exactly? Are, are we going to trust politicians more because they're going to give us the news? There's not a politician in this state that I wouldn't look at twice when they say anything. I don't trust any of them. I don't care what side you're on. I don't care what office you have. I do not trust you. And I'm not taking my news from you guys or girls, women. I'm not going to. So for me, this is a really fundamental, important question. Do we want a free press, one that is sometimes going to irritate you, sometimes going to educate you, entertain, whatever it is, engage? Those are the, that's the, the media I want. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Nothing ever is. I want to read you a little bit of a piece written by Raquel Rutledge, longtime reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I've known her for many years, and she lays it on the line here. And I'll read you a few sections of it, and then we'll get your reaction. At best, journalists uncover hidden truths and hold government regulators, elected leaders, and corporate executives to account. We bear witness, exposing wrongdoing and informing the citizenry. We investigate potential solutions. True, we don't always operate at our best. Stepping, stepping back quickly, I, I give her a lot of credit for admitting this, uh, Raquel Rutledge writing in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. True, we don't always operate at our best. Sometimes we use biased language. Sometimes we focus too much on how one political party falls short or pay too little attention to the powerful in industry. We're far from perfect. But don't let our imperfection fool you into believing you'd be better off without us. It's a fact that a healthy democracy can exist amid a restricted, ailing press. So instead, consider investing in helping us become better. And she goes on to pitch a series of listening sessions that they're having. Uh, they're calling it, what is it, uh, Pulitzer on the Road or some, Yeah, right? Oh, uh, by the way, she's a Pulitzer Prize winner, just on her resume. <laughs> right. Oh, by the way. Yeah, maybe we should trust her a little bit. Not a, not a bad award to have there. <laughs> One other thing that she wrote about, and, and then we'll, we'll 
talk it out a little bit more. But about what what do they do? And I think, you know, she lists some of the things, you know, we uncover this stuff, we uncover fraud, we reveal, you know, they were pointing to some of the reporting on mismanaged hospitals and the crisis that is happening here in Milwaukee. Electric fires, like you know, problem with electricity in, in, in some homes that wasn't maintained. Landlords and things yep. and following up on that. I mean, that's a lot of times, and, and you and I hear from them as well, when people have tried to go through traditional channels to help themselves through some sort of injustice and they're getting nowhere with the bureaucracy, with politicians, with whatever, who do they call? They call us. Mm-hmm. And in this case, they call the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And sometimes it does motivate real change. But here's the part that really resonated with me, even as someone who is in the media and doing what we do. Perhaps nowhere is our role more vital to you personally than it is locally. We sit in long, tedious city, county, and school board meetings so you don't have to. Ensuring officials know we are watching. We read complicated and mind-numbing budgets, comb through endless documents, researching so you don't have to, spotting favoritism and corruption. And then she goes on to talk about we de- test water for dangerous chemicals. We examine electrical systems for fire hazards, etc. But I've long said this, even as a member of the media, both in television, now here at the radio, what she talks about who is actually there in those meetings is true. And that's why I say cheer not for the demise of our local paper, biased as you may think it is, because who's left to do that then if not them? Because it's not me. I'm not going to city council meetings. It's not TMJ4 News. They don't have a staff the size to go sit at every common council meeting in every committee here across uh, every community here at Southeast Wisconsin. That stuff will go uncovered. And then we see what happens. Yeah. And, and the what happens is, is not good for taxpayers. Dirty little secret, maybe not so dirty anymore, is if you didn't if you didn't have any coverage, there's literally no one at most of these meetings. There's usually what I call the grievance. People always have grievances, the airing of the grievances. Yes, right. There and every city and community has a couple of these people. They 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 think they're investigative journalists, but they're not. And they just hammer the elected officials. And then there's a few other people that may have one item. That's it. I don't care if it's city of five thousand people or fifty thousand people, or in the case of Milwaukee, six hundred thousand people. Nobody shows up. The journalists that are there will document in real time, often because a lot of these people are live tweeting the meetings. What's happening? Do you not want to know this? Here's the other thing. All of our communities around here, probably elsewhere as well, have invested in technology that has live stream. Nobody's watching those either. Right. So where are you going to get this news from if, if someone is not willing to sit through these meetings and tell us what's really happening? So there are two issues of concern here, which is contributing to the demise of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I mean, I was a, I was a Milwaukee Sentinel carrier. Yeah, so was I. Used to have two papers, right? Yeah. And they would compete with each other. Yeah, Sentinel and Journal. And that was great for journalism in the city. Yeah, the Sentinel doing what it was doing. That was the heyday. Yeah, they were scrappy. The Sentinel was scrappy. Mm-hmm. And they had some really solid reporting in there. And then, of course, the, the paper of record would come out in the afternoon, the Milwaukee Journal. And then they merged, and there was this huge operation. And I was part of that, TMJ4 News and 620. We all used to be under the Journal umbrella here in Milwaukee. Um, and then you've had this slow bleed of people, and now it's like... Now where does it stop? Because the fewer reporters they have, the less content they produce. The less content they produce, the more subscribers they lose. The more subscribers they lose, the less money they have to invest in the people that they need to get. To the, and we're spiraling downward. Let me ask you this question. I, I, I'll, I'll preface it first. One of the reasons I think that the subscriptions are not being renewed, are being dropped, price is part of that. Right. Price points. Everybody's looking at their budgets. Budgets are tight. We know that you know inflation and recession has played a role in that. But 
You know, when you think about this, the role of politics, the coverage of politics, angers some people. Journalists, if they're doing a great job, will tell the story, whether it's flattering for Republicans or flattering for Democrats or vice versa. It sucks if you're a Republican and you're saying this. Same thing for Democrats. That ugliness, because nobody wants their their guy, their girl, their party attacked, has led to a lack of interest in subscribing to a local newspaper. I think that's a big, big part of this. And conservatives have long decried a, a liberal bias that they suggest is in the paper. I can't say that I haven't seen that. I have from time to time. And you look at an article and you say, hmm, first of all, maybe why is this in here? Are they picking on somebody? Or secondly, why isn't this in here? I've heard a lot about this story, but or I go on a conservative site like Wisconsin right now, and they're reporting something. Why isn't this in the paper? So I, I'm not suggesting that those aren't legitimate concerns. And it seems like the paper is aware of that. Sure. And is trying to do these listening sessions to say, all right, what else do we need to do? I guess, again, I, th- I think that's one thing that's contributed to it. I think the other thing was for the longest time, like when the digital revolution happened, you could get JS completely for free, mm-hmm. right? You could just go right. on the yeah. website and we were conditioned to expect that to be there for free. And we just don't want to pay for news anymore. We'll pay for Netflix, HBO, Hulu, <laughs> What else is there? Disney plus this, that, and the other bundle. We pay for all that, but we don't want to pay for online news content. Now, this is easy for me to say because I'm not looking at their budgets, but one of the reasons people have dropped the the actual paper paper, the delivery that some people went to like Wednesday, Sunday, is the cost. You want to get people to come back? You got to lower the cost. Obviously, it's a lost leader for a while, right? You're going you're gonna to give them a deal. It doesn't cost a lot for an online version of the paper, but it costs a lot to print a newspaper and deliver that thing. You want to get people back, you can't charge them whatever it is per month, 50, 60 bucks a month for an everyday newspaper. They're not going to pay that. People are too sensitive with their budgets. Bring it back, at least a trial basis, and see if you can actually get people back to reading a real newspaper. And if, if you've seen the paper, it looks almost like a fake newspaper. It's so small now. It is small. It, it's like one of those novelty papers you used to buy at the Milwaukee Museum when you went to the streets of old Milwaukee. It's like, oh my goodness, is this a real paper? It's just tiny. Now, on top of all of that, those realities, there's still some great journalists in this city. The Bill Globbers, right? Tremendous. You mentioned Raquel Rutledge. Pulitzer Prize winner. And a ton of other reporters that I like to cite all the time. Here's the thing that I do, and I think this helps sometimes to make the case. When I'm citing a story, I I say the reporter's name. I say the source of the story. Those things can maybe direct people to understand why these newspapers are so important. I'm going to read you a text before we go to break, and then we'll take more of your calls and comments on it. The Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. This is from Ben in Cleveland, Wisconsin. So that's Manitowoc County. He writes, we have no court reporters in Sheboygan and Manitowoc County anymore. And then people wonder why judges are so lenient. Part of it is because they aren't held accountable anymore. 819 on Wisconsin's Morning News. 822 on a Monday morning here, Wisconsin's Morning News. Vince Vetrano, Steve Scafidi with you till 9 o'clock this morning. Talking about an article posted this week in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel by Raquel Rutledge, longtime reporter there and Pulitzer Prize winner herself. Just saying like, hey, listen, um, we know some of you have problems with the editorial bent of the newspaper. We hear you. We're working on that. But don't cheer for our demise because you need us. And I agree with her. 
855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Got this text in here this morning. Totally agree the newspaper reporters can be a valuable resource to everybody, as you and she shared going through the meetings, digging up the details. That's all good. The problem is how they report it with their bias so prevalent now. Say what you want about other outlets being biased as well. They will only survive if they wipe out their bias and provide the facts regardless of its narrative or not. I, you know, I, again, I think that's there. I've, I've read articles before in the paper where I've said, hmm, that's one way to look at it, but it didn't appear to be a neutral stance. I know that the number of articles against your side and for another side sort of bother people from time to time. My larger point is, that may be well and good, but we need the newspaper. The interesting thing about this, and this is politics heavy, in my opinion, this argument, and I've chided some friends of mine for literally going on social media and, and calling out reporters and like almost like terrorizing them. I go, dude, uh, you know, pull it back a little bit. That's not that's not the, the right way to deal with this. Is there bias? Absolutely. Everybody's biased. When you're talking about politics, a lot of the, the, the mission statement has been they're too hard on Republicans right now. But think about the world we live in. Republicans have all the power in the state of Wisconsin. We can have a Democratic governor. He's got very little power. So if you have a group that has power and a conservative-leaning court, who do you think is going to get most of the attention? Not the Democrats. They barely get a sniff when they have a bill they want to present, like 2% of their bills. So the, the target is always going to be of the media who is in power. That's why this overemphasis on conservatives and Republicans probably is taking place. That's a, that's a basic understanding you should have when you digest the news. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Let's get to the phones here. Uh, Dennis is with us from Milwaukee. Morning, Dennis. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. As I told Pancake, I deliver the newspaper. And and I started that with my, my kids wanted to start so they could earn some extra cash. And that was back just before the merger, okay? So you know now how long yeah, I've been right. delivering the newspaper. Been doing it a few years. The kids are all gone. They've got jobs of their own and have become uh, functioning members of society. And, and, the, and they learned a work ethic because they delivered the newspaper. They know what it is to, to work, okay? Having said all of that, What's going on right now at the paper is criminal. I have customers who are, are paying you know, for a daily paper in excess of 500 to $600 a year for a daily paper. <laughs> when, when if, you, if you were able to, to subscribe as a new customer, it would only cost you just under 200 and what I, what I told Greg when I was talking to him, you know, he's screening my call. What's going on is they, the company, and I, I've talked to managers about this. Is I'm five years ago already, it was common knowledge that they were trying to kill off the paper, and, and the managers were admitting that. As, who's as who's they? Right, who's the, the print they, version too? You mean right? The the print yeah, the yeah. print version itself. And when I say they, the company itself. The company itself is trying to destroy the print version so they can go completely online. That's what they hope survives, because that's where they believe they'll lose less money and they'll still be able to stay in business. Unfortunately, you've got all of these people, you know, who've been with the paper for years, who love to have something in their hands, who are up in years, who are on fixed incomes. And, you know, I've, I've got people who are special needs people who read the paper and they don't know any better with regards to the billing that's going on 
you know, I've tried to help some of them to get a lower cost at times. Yeah, Dennis, it, let me let you go because I want to awesome pick up on that point, and I'm coming up against the clock here. But uh, I, I think that point resonates certainly with me. I used to, I'm one of these people, and I'm not yet a senior citizen, but I like to hold the paper. Yeah. And a few years ago, I ended my delivery subscription for a couple of reasons. One was... I would get that paper, but I also, because of what we do, Steve, you got to be current, right? So I would leave the house before the paper came, and I didn't expect them to deliver the paper at 2 in the morning. But So I needed to go on the app, and I would look through the headlines, and I would read the articles. And then I would get the paper on Saturday morning when I had time to spend with it, Sunday morning. All the stuff was old. Like, I already read all the stuff. Yeah, that's job-specific, though. Right. Like, I dropped it about five years ago. Uh, uh, Dennis isn't saying something I already, didn't already say. If you if you offer a lost leader and to get people back reading a physical newspaper, if your intention is to have that be a viable part of your future, then then that's what you need to do. But if you're if you're not, if 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 they're doing what Dennis says they're trying to do, which is eliminate the paper version, then it doesn't matter. You just go online. A couple of other people texting in that cost is an issue for them um, when they get the paper. It's a day or two behind. And then one more, though, on the on the fairness. If the journal covered politics fairly, I would subscribe. I did subscribe for years, but no more. It sounds like at the very least they're aware of that and they're willing to listen. So to your point, I, I believe strongly not just blowing people up on Twitter. Email the reporter. The reporter's emails are at the end of everything. Absolutely. I would encourage you if you have a problem. And I, and I did this when I was reporting. And people ask me about, well, this or that. I said, if you see a story you don't like on Channel 4, if you hear me say something you don't like here, like you can communicate. I don't sit up in an ivory tower. <laughs> communicate with me. Please be polite and just say, hey, I, here's why I didn't like what you said or here's what I saw and I was curious about this. Go ahead and engage with that reporter and start that conversation. And, and I'll just ask one, one final point because I know we get to break here. Is it biased sometimes or is it uncomfortable to read? Because I think the uncomfortable to read part is, is a problem that a lot of readers of the newspaper, digital or paper, are having a problem with. No matter what the problem is, the, the newspaper is in trouble. And again, I say cheer not for its demise. We still need it. 829 on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News this Monday morning. Greg Pancake Hill producing the program. Steve Scafidi and Vince Vetrano here with you. Cannot catch a break. The Milwaukee Marathon canceled this weekend because we got like a foot of snow in less than 24 hours right before the start of the race. This is the event that's just trying to get back on track, so to speak. It's cursed. (laughs) It's cursed. Having twice screwed up the measurement of the course, one year it was too long, another year it was too short. You had COVID cancellations and other things. You had one job to do. You right? couldn't measure the course properly? Come on. So this year they were going to get back on track with a half marathon on Sunday and a 5K just to get things rolling again and bring back the full event in 2024. And then we had the snow Saturday, and they were concerned, the race organizers were, for people coming downtown to pick up their race packets, which you have to do, and then... Even if the streets were going to be clear on the 13.1-mile route, they were concerned about icing over and conditions for the runners the final day. Don't tell that to Brian D. He ran the thing anyway. I I love (laughs) that. Sportsman from uh, Wisconsin's Morning News for many years, now 
What what is your title over there at ESPN Milwaukee? I am our uh, assistant program director. At ESPN. Program czar, so coaching shows, day to day operations, that kind of awesome. thing. Just helping out our team. But well, uh, executive now. I bother Greg Hill too. That's in my email signature, the pancake. I just come in and bother him some mornings. Nice. Great to have you back in here Thanks. with a microphone in front of you. So you're a big time runner. You've done a number of marathons, mm-hmm. and you were going to give the Milwaukee Marathon half. A go on Sunday, and then yeah. So uh, the the other uh, interesting part of this whole experience is my my dad was in town. My dad lives out in Massachusetts, but he was in Chicago on business, and that trip was planned for a while. So we saw that hey, you could pop up for the weekend. This half marathon's going on. We'll run it together. We'll drink some beers. We'll have some fun. It'll be a whole hee haw time. Uh, so he came up Friday night, and Saturday at about 10 a.m., we got the email that the event was canceled as it was, you know, whiteout blizzard conditions across the southeastern portion of the state. And we were bummed for about 14 seconds, and then we looked at each other and said, well, they're they're not, you know, they can't stop us from doing it, right? <laughs> like, uh, the, the, the roads are the roads. Run. We could still go out and run the damn thing, so that's what we did. Nice. So what was your initial reaction, Brian? Because uh, I know a lot of folks, and this is not this is more than a 5K. If you're about to do a 13.1 half, mi- half marathon, you've put in some training, you've put in the time. For a lot of serious runners, this was a big event. So not for nothing and a shoulder shrug when they cancel something like that. Yeah, for sure. You put a lot of time and effort into this. I, I wasn't specifically training for this. Like I, I run every day anyway, so I'm kind of, uh, I don't get ready, I stay ready. That's my mentality. Yeah, yeah I like that. that. Somebody sign me if you're a professional sports team or something. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, a lot of people, you know, this is a long six, eight, ten-week training process. You sign up, and then you get ready for most people. So it's it's a devastating thing. And I I can't fathom that I was the only one that did this yesterday. I didn't see a whole group of people out there at 7 a.m. at the uh, proposed start time. But saw a lot of runners out there yesterday morning kind of getting their work in. And I I think – uh, the people that worked hard probably got a good run in yesterday anyway. To this race, to these organizers, I, I think I read it correctly, these are out-of-state organizers for mm-hmm. this event. Is that part of the problem? They don't understand our weather and the realities of running in Wisconsin? Yeah, I, maybe. Um, I, I do think at the end of the day, having run the whole course yesterday, they probably made the right decision. Uh, like Vinny said, I mean, the, the roads were relatively dry along the lakefront, along Lincoln Memorial there, but there were some spots where there was black ice and you were you were treading lightly. Um, so you just don't want to risk injury when something like that happens. You want everybody to be as safe as possible. That being said, the weather yesterday morning was was pristine. We got one of those burnt orange, yellow Lake Michigan sunrises, and it was about 40 degrees with no wind. So um I don't know if it's the out-of-state organizer thing as much as it is like there's there's too much that can go wrong from a liability standpoint if somebody gets hurt driving down to pick up their packet or, or breaks an ankle slipping on black ice. Like Ultimately, you just want people to be safe with this kind of thing. Do we need more races? I mean, we have South Shore coming up. The uh, the trail breaker in Waukesha, I think, was either this weekend or is coming up real soon. We obviously have the Lakefront Marathon, my, my first marathon, sure. which I think is a fan, fantastic course. Um, do we do we need another marathon? I think it's good for the community. Uh, all these big cities, they have all these races, right? And it, it's fun to have things going on in your city. Yesterday was just a sleepy Sunday morning, right? And it, we did have a concert down at Pfizer Forum last night, which is great. But 
if we can tackle more of those sleepy Saturday and Sunday mornings with cool stuff that benefits causes in the community, that gets people out and about experiencing different neighborhoods and breathing life into Milwaukee, I don't see why we shouldn't have more of this thing going on. Let me read you something from uh, Chip Hazuski. He is the race organizer based out of Denver, I believe. So he was asked, and Lori Nickel, our friend of the program, she joins us on Tuesday mornings. Lori was going to run the 5K, and so she got in touch with Hazuski and asked him a lot of the same questions that that we're asking right now. Uh, here's one of the things that he told Lori. We'll be regrouping internally next week, meaning this week. So he's talking about when are people going to know? Are we getting our money back, or are you going to reschedule, or what's sure. going to happen? He said, you know, I feel bad for all the staff that put the work in. I feel worse for the runners who signed up and thought they were going to be running a 5K or a half. As a runner myself, I know the feeling to get the message after all that training. So it sounds like, you know, he's certainly sympathetic to the feelings that that people had not running the race. He wanted to run it as bad as anybody. Also based out of Denver, Lori asked him a number of times, like, hey, could we maybe have done this? Like the snow, you know how this goes. And basically what Brian said, it was like, yeah, we knew the streets could be clear, but if things ice over and you have people wiping out or, you know, especially when they're running tight together, a lot of people, yeah. um, not worth it. We thought it was best to do this. So you just, in terms of an event that has struggled to gain traction, like you got to be looking up at the sky on Saturday. They had to be like, what the hell? Yeah, it's just kind of bad luck, right? And I, again, I think they made the right decision because they called it in the worst part of Saturday's weather, right? Like, it, it, and I think it went on a little, little longer Saturday than we all expected in terms of just that snow and this big snow. Yeah, it was crazy, right? So I think they made the right decision. There, like I said, there were some slippery spots and some snow-covered areas, but could it be done? I, yeah, I, I, I did it. Like, how am I? How am I supposed to? Say How'd no? you feel? Good. Yeah. yeah, it was nice and good time. It, it was cool as well because when you line up, and this is part of the fun of running a race, like that, the nerves hit you, right? You get yeah. that pit in your stomach, of like. There's there's a chance I fail here or something goes wrong or it hurts really bad and it always hurts. Uh, but just you know, getting out and, and hanging out with your dad for a couple hours and taking it slow, it took the pressure out of it. And we had a nice little uh, trance around the area, a little little jog, and uh, got a got a nice brunch after and had a good time. And your dad is uh, is he like a serious runner? My dad is fifty seven years old. He's the one that got me into running. He's run twenty plus marathons in his life. He's wow. done ultras. He completed a hundred mile race about ten or fifteen years ago. That's serious. called the Havelino one hundred out west. Um, if he walked in here, he's not the most fit dude in the world, but I think he's it not? speaks. It, I think it speaks to the mental part of it. That's it's, exactly it's, right. It's all up top, and he's one of the mentally toughest people that I know. So, uh, yeah, it was fun getting out there and grind. Didn't have a lot of fun with him yesterday. Ryan, the awesome. friend at ESPN Milwaukee. Great to see you, my friend. You too. Thanks, guys. Milwaukee Marathon again, just trying to claw its way back. Slapped down again this time by Wisconsin Spring. Eight forty-five on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News. So this is a public service. It's a warning to you Mm. because somebody's coming back to our popular conversation here, and it's probably not somebody that you want to see. The guy who drove his SUV through the Waukesha Christmas Parade, killing six people, injuring dozens more, and the guy who attempted to make a mockery of Judge Jennifer Doro's courtroom and the entire process in that terrible trial against him, he's coming back. 
Previous to the tragedy, Daryl Brooks had two pending criminal cases in Milwaukee County Court. Both times he was released after posting a low-cash bail. One case alleges two counts of second-degree recklessly endangering safety, as well as being a felon possessing a firearm. Trial for that case set for July 10th. The second will try Brooks for allegations he ran over his girlfriend, Erica Patterson, two days before the Waukesha Christmas Parade. That trial is set for June 26th. Patrick Kane, WTMJ News. So Daryl Brooks is going to be back in court doing what Daryl Brooks does. But uh, yeah. well, unless, Steve, he's learned his lesson in no, the last several yeah, months. Sure what do you has. think? Yeah? I, I, to be honest, I'm going to ignore all of this. It's going to be a sideshow. He's been pent up for a while. He's got a lot to say. I'm sure none of it worthwhile or have any, any real meaning in my life or probably anyone else's life. The guy is a... I just edited myself. I don't want to hear <laughs> from him. It was a check swing. And I know that they're going to cover this. I don't, I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's, it's just a sideshow, and we don't need that. It's interesting, and, and, you know, and it's up to us as a media outlet to decide how much coverage we want to give that. The you know, folks who kept asking during the Waukesha Christmas Parade trial, why do you keep showing him? Why do you keep saying, well, man, this guy committed a terrible atrocity in our community. And for a lot of folks who were invested in what the outcome of that trial was going to be, we needed to bring that to you. And you needed to see who Daryl Brooks was. You needed to see every bit of who Daryl Brooks mm-hmm. was. He presented himself in full mm-hmm. to that courtroom, to Waukesha, and to the larger community. So I, I defended all of our extensive coverage on that. I think for folks who are looking at this as we approach it in June and July with these other additional trials for Brooks, I think they'd be right to say, like, I, I don't need to see all that. I don't need all the runs, hits, and errors. I don't need to hear from him every day. I don't need to see his courtroom antics. And that's, that's a decision that we can make. As a newsroom, I, I'd be curious who's going to be the judge in this in this uh, these hearings. Uh, is this a this is a trial, right? Yeah, two yeah. trials. Yeah, um, I, again, my, I've had my my fill. I don't need any more Daryl right. Brooks. Daryl Brooks can go away, as far as I'm concerned. He's lucky to be honest that he's still alive, given what he's the nature of his crimes. Right? I mean, obviously we don't have the death penalty, but boy, if anyone deserved it, he would be that guy, in my opinion. Oh, and a lot of people shared that yeah, opinion. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, folks might ask, well, look, if he's already doing how many consecutive life terms in prison, like, what can't we just can't we just push these other cases aside? No, justice, you can't. You have to serve justice. Those those cases, this, these trials are important because everyone deserves justice, whether it's Daryl Brooks or any other defendant. We have to hear these cases, and it's it's unfortunate because you're going to get more more time. Again, one of the things I said about Judge Dora was she seemed to have a real understanding of what she was dealing with. And I had her on the show and I said, I'm taking my, you know, my interviewer hat off and just saying, unbelievably great job handling that case. And I, I still believe that today. Unbelievably great job in shutting that nonsense down, moving him out of the, out of the courtroom when necessary. And just we could just hear him ranting and raving, but actually we could just see him ranting and raving. We didn't have to hear him. And I'm, I would imagine the same thing will happen this time around. And as folks question, why do we have to go through it in Milwaukee County? The other people who deserve justice are the other victims right. in these other cases. So we mentioned Erica Patterson, who is his sort of on-again, off-again girlfriend who was victimized in this case. Right. She deserves to have her day in court as well and have her case adjudicated. How much attention we give to that, that is in our hands. But either way, you know who else could put an end to this? Daryl Brooks yes. could plead guilty to all of this stuff, knowing it changes nothing, but don't hold your breath. 853 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station.
8.56 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Vince Vetrano signing off here, sending it over to Steve Scafidi, who's got three hours all to himself. Well, not, Carol Kane joining me. Carol Kane joining me. Yes. I, I love the fact that you let that go. Gotta let it go. There's not many songs that as soon as mm. you hear that, you're like, you, you immediately come to attention. Like, I'm going to just listen to this. That That's an incredible, incredible opening 45 seconds. It was just in my playlist yesterday as I was cleaning up the kitchen after dinner. All the kids were in there. And it's one of those that we can agree on. Really? That they're like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys like. So your your kids are all kind of close in age, right? Yeah. So 17, 15, 15. So the musical taste of those kids, do they vary significantly? Are they kind of the same? The girls pretty much the same. They're into all the same stuff. And then my this is interesting. My son, he's 15. And. He very rarely listens to music, Steve. Really? Like he has, uh, if I, if you, you ask me like, what's his musical taste? I'd be like, none. He just kind of like is not into a music. And scene. is that like the norm among I don't know. boys his age? Because that was, music was like the soundtrack of our lives. Right. I, mean, I grew up with Springsteen. I mean, yes. come on. Yeah. Or The Who. I mean, it, it was big stuff. We always had music. Yes. Out, right. In some way, shape or form. We bought stereos. Was like, The first time we had a check, we went out and bought the biggest speakers we could find in like a Harman Kardon receiver with a, uh, a turntable. And we bought vinyl and then played it as loud as we could that our parents would put up with in our basements. With yeah. our buddies. I've never had to yell down the, down the stairs to my son and say, <laughs> no. turn your music down. That hasn't been it. I guess time changes, right? Yeah, Things change. Bit. The generational difference. Um, and, Car- also, and they all got earbuds in, too, so I don't know what they're listening to. That's the other thing is, like, we had to listen to our stuff out loud for the most part. Now, you'd have your Walkman and stuff like that. But Probably for the most podcasts. Part, right? Podcasts. That's the thing now, right? Yeah, they do listen to podcasts. And I like podcasts, too. Matter of fact, I've, I've been toying with the idea of doing a post-show podcast from here. Okay. Kind of like an after show. After party. Your three hours not good enough? You can't yeah, get it all out? I need like an extra. <laughs> Just a little bit more. Here's the, here's the I know we got to get to break here, but one of the things. I, hey, I, it's your show I coming listen, next. I listen to Howard Stern. <laughs> and he has the Sternology. I have some yeah. which I ripped. I'll fully admit I ripped off from him. I love the idea of kind of rehashing a couple things. Maybe bringing a guest back. Mm-hmm. Kind of an unfiltered, no ads. A little extra. Yeah, yeah. A little, a little extra. Plus, little, if it's a podcast, you can swear. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> until my wife, until my wife Kathy heard that podcast, she goes, "Why are you swearing on there?" Yeah, I don't think I like that. Yeah, she wouldn't go for that. But anyway, Carol, and I, we're gonna have some fun. We got some serious topics. Big news day always when Carol's with me because you never know what she's gonna talk about. Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ.